If you turn, I hope it will be on, on the screen, or if you have a Bible, John chapter 20. Some of the hymns that, that Ray chose have been really applicable, and as he said early on when uh, he was speaking about Mary, I'd like to speak about Mary, Mary Magdalene, that is. But John 20, verse 1 reads, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb, both running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And he bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, went, also went inside. He saw and believed. And they did not still understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside crying as she wept. As she wept, sorry, she bent over and looked into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been laid, and one at the head and the other at the feet at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have laid him. At this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but did not realise that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking it was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him. And cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. As Ray has been saying, we should be absolutely overjoyed uh, that they saw the Lord and so have we. Now, like Matthew, Mark and Luke, John, he deals in great detail uh, with the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and there is a mountain of evidence to read of and we have a very short time so we can only deal with one or two things. This is not surprising uh, that, that there's so much information about these last hours of the Saviour's life. What, uh, the whole of our Christian belief hangs on these two facts, and these are facts. 
Jesus died for our sins and he was raised for our justification. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, again, which Ray has read some of this to us, I pick out a couple of verses from 1 Corinthians. Paul said, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, I delivered to you as of first importance... As a first important, this is, this is the import, these are the important truths. This is what the whole of our, our Christian religion is about. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That's the important thing. That's what you need to remember when you leave this meeting this morning. Because in those few words... All the types and the shadows of the Old Testament, all the, the wonderful accounts that we have of God's work throughout thousands of years of history were fulfilled on the cross, or many of those types and shadows were fulfilled on the cross. And then this Easter Sunday, maybe you're not a calendar keeper like the Anglicans, but nevertheless, the world keeps this day, so it's a fine opportunity for us to, 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 to join and say, on this Easter Sunday, uh, it marks the vindication of all that the Old Testament taught about the coming Messiah and his work of redemption. So what we're about to look at is what Bishop J.C. Ryle considers deserves our special attention. This deserves our special attention. Uh, of, he's, he said, of all the four evangelists, none supplies such deeply interesting evidence of the resurrection as the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John. That's where you can get lots of things that, uh, information, snippets of wonderful instances of the words of uh, John that, that you don't find in the other Gospels. And he goes on to say, which is really what I want to speak about, that those who love Christ most are those who have received the most benefit from him. This is just natural, isn't it? This is what you'd expect of us, uh, 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 weak, as it were, human, human beings that we are. So John in his Gospel gives us this account, if you like, a prime example of someone who loves much because she was forgiven much. That's, this is this Mary, one so blessed by the Lord. She was there till the very end. She was at the cross with the others, right till the end when the body of our Saviour was taken down. And she is now at the tomb on the first day of the week. It's not even light yet. It's still dark, but she's got there on the third day. She's there, having received much from the Lord Jesus Christ. She knew the depth of her sin uh, and what the Saviour had had to forgive in her life. I read this. Someone said this. Where sin is not felt, nothing is done. Where sin is felt little, little is done. It's where sin is really felt in the heart when a person feels their guilt, knows full well they deserve the judgment of hell. Do you know that? Are you aware of that? Are you acquainted with that? Has it entered your thinking, as it were? Genuinely, this is, this is, this is true. This is the, a fact. This is true. You deserve the judgment of hell. They're the ones, when they're forgiven, can't do enough. For the Lord Jesus. And that's Mary. See, this is Mary. 
I'm sure she would agree with Paul when, when Paul said, for it's Christ's love, Christ's love that compels us. That's what compels us in our service. So I have to ask, do you know anything of the love of Christ? Do you? Do you actually know anything of the love of Christ? Peter said in his first letter, he said, he said to you who believe, he is precious. So is the Lord Jesus precious to you? Is he actually precious to you? When we come to Mary, having come early um, to the tomb, she's absolutely distraught. She sees that his body's gone. She hasn't a clue uh, what's gone on. So she's off off to tell Peter and John. Uh, as, as we have read, they get there first. And they look Peter classic, isn't it? John gets there and is reticent, isn't he, to go into an actual tomb where there should be a body. He stays outside. Peter's classic Peter, just charges in, and let's see what's going on. And so they they find that one of the interesting things is, it it says um, um, that that John believed. What did he believe? Because the other interesting thing is, says, they didn't understand the scriptures that he must rise from dead. I assume it means that he believed what Mary had said. Because the disciples were very sceptical about what the women said and about what Mary said. They, they didn't believe that that's what we're told. Um, but we know full well that they didn't understand the scriptures. Um, and they went back to their homes. It's, you can't, yeah, sorry, I forgot the clock when I... But you think to yourself... Their concern, John and Peter, wasn't like Mary's at all. They, they just went home, but not Mary. Mary, Mary, Mary can't just leave. You know, it's like we, I was reading, the, there was an account in the paper of, of um, uh, someone who's, I think it was their daughter had gone missing, that's that. They never found her, they never found a body, they never heard that, and that was the end of that. And you read these things in the paper, or you see them on the television, and you feel for the people. And, and the, so the expression is, they can't find closure. And you understand it. You know, they, can't, they can't put an end to, to, the, to, to this, the sad problem. They can't move on, if you like. This is Mary, you see. She's not going to clear off like the two, two them do. Just go back home again. Well, he's not there. That's that. You wonder what went through their minds, don't you? Why did they just go home? But there were Mary's there. Her love makes her linger at the tomb. It's the last place she saw Jesus' body. Uh, and she, of course, now will reap a rich reward, whereas uh, Peter and John will miss that by their hasty departure. Now, so think of this. In all, your, in all the sadness and of life's trials, or you could say even all the joys and pleasures of life, and speak to Christians now... Have you ever sought God's presence and found nothing? See, this is what Mary does, you see. Mary seeks for the Lord, which any believer would do, but finds nothing nothing there. If you know anything about God's servant Job, he was in exactly in that, in that position. And it says in chapter 23 of Job's book, Oh, that I knew where I might find him. You could think that could have been Mary's words. Oh, that I knew where I might find him. And this man, Job, was someone the Lord commended. He was a servant. When, when, when God talks, spoke to Satan about 
Job. He says, have you considered my servant, Job? Have you considered my servant, Job? But this servant of God couldn't find God. If you're in that position, please be like Job and be like Mary and don't give up. Um, keep, keep on in, in all your difficulty. For our God is a very present help in trouble and that's where you'll find him. I went in one day, one of the days when things were pretty low in hospital to visit Jean and she said, because it's so noisy isn't it, in hospital, day and night they're doing tests and, 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 and things and she can't, she said, well, she said once or twice there's, it goes very quiet. Admitted she says nine times out of ten because of her condition that means she's in the toilet. But it's quiet. It's quiet, and she said, that's when I hear the choir singing. She, <coughs> she knows the very presence of God, but how difficult it can be if you're in that trouble and you can't find the presence of God. But anyway, Mary and Job hang on, and they're both wonderfully re rewarded. And... So if you're in that difficulty, if you're in that, if you're in that position, if you seek the Lord and you find a, a brick wall, if I can speak like that, then remember the Lord's dealings with his servants here and remember too what he said to his servant Jeremiah. Jeremiah was another man. People refer to him as the weeping prophet and he had much to weep about. Um, but the Lord said to Jeremiah, you will seek me and find me. When? When? When will you, when will you seek me and find me? You could, this would be another sermon, really, but there isn't time. When will you seek me and find me? When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found, declares the Lord. So you have this wonderful promise. Press on. Keep pressing on, whatever the difficulty. And maybe Mary knew that promise, remembered it. And so um, she stays and she weeps and she's outside. And then she sees angels. This is, in, this is incredible. Not everybody gets to see angels. Certainly, let alone talk with them. They have a conversation. They, they discuss the situation. But this is not everybody's blessing. Why are you weeping, they ask. They've taken away my Lord. Why wouldn't I weep, she could have said. You know, why wouldn't I weep? Uh, they've taken away my Lord. Um, the psalmist says... In Psalm 56, when he's in some difficulty, you put my tears into your bottle. That's in the ES, sorry, it's in the ESV or the old King James Version. It's in that as well. In the NIV, it says, you list my tears on your scroll. I like the idea of God putting my tears in a bottle. <laughs> it seems to ring true. Um, so, um, either way, the Lord puts a record of our tears. So if you're in this difficulty, um, especially if your tears are shed because you can't find him and things are going to be difficult, God puts them in a bottle. He keeps them there. They're on record. That, 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 that's how much he cares when you're in, in your difficulties. So in Mary's case, uh, the Lord sends um, a couple of angels to comfort her. And yet, something really more in, amazing and important as you get on to um, verse uh, 14. But I'll have to... I'm, at this point in my sermon, when I was preparing this, what order do I put things in? Something without uh, making things disjointed. But I, I, one of the things I thought of when I 
got to this point when I was repairing it. Remember when Mark Oliver came <coughs> and he, he opened the scriptures to us about the Lord's dealing with Hagar, which was re I found really, really helpful. But one of the things he said was, there was a Hagar, she's another lady weeping. Uh, but um, uh, uh, Mark's, Mark said, what she failed to see was uh, there was a well just there. And she thought they were both going to die of thirst. Um, but there was a well just there. So as Mary, Mary has no idea, just like Hagar had no idea about the well, Mary has no idea how near the Lord Jesus is. Sometimes we have to, we have to, as it were, pinch ourselves. We, because I think in this illustration we have a wonderful example of how the Lord deals with us. <coughs> Excuse me. We we um, we can be concerned and anxious with with no real reason. Um, I read somewhere else. Uh, someone wrote, two thirds of the things we fear in life never happen at all." And two-thirds of the tears we shed, we shed in vain. We should pray for more, for larger, for stronger faith. We walk by faith, not sight. We should pray for more, for larger, and for stronger faith. And, 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 but this is a, a woman of faith. And it's, and, and it's faith that says, and all things got worked together for good. It says all things, not good things. All things work together for good for them that love God. And this, this is Mary's position. There's a, there's a proverb uh, that Solomon wrote in chapter 13 of his Proverbs. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And there was dear Mary. She'd gone to the, to the tomb hoping to, to, to see the Lord's body and to deal with it in the proper way. And it's not there. And she's sick. She's sick at heart. Just like Solomon says. But the proverb goes on like this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire is fulfilled, it's a tree of life. And that's what she's going to find. That's what um, um, Mary is going to find. But as she does, and, she, and Jesus speaks to her, um, and she turns, and, and then she, she falls at his feet and grabs his feet. It's, this, is a, this is another really interesting uh, part of the account. Because... What Mary and many of us, if we're not careful, don't understand, that from the moment that Jesus rose from the dead, everything is different. This is a different world because our Saviour rose from the dead. Um, he's overcome death, he's overcome hell. He is God over all, forever to be praised, says uh, Paul to the Romans. And Jesus himself said to the disciples in John chapter 6, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Don't hold on to me. This, this, the flesh counts for nothing anymore, uh, says the Lord Jesus. And Paul writes uh, to Corinth, he says, once we regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. He is risen. He is the glorious Lord. With the resurrection of, of our Saviour from the dead, everything is different. Everything, it's just, everything is new, I could say. Perhaps that's a better way. Death is defeated. So in this, in this first conversation between the resurrected Lord and Mary, it marks the beginning of a completely new world. The old has gone. The old started in the Garden of Eden. 
with a catastrophic fall. Uh, Eve, taken in by the lies of Satan, took the forbidden tr fruit of tree and of knowledge of good and evil and brought in the bondage, bondage of the flesh, bonding of everything that's earthly. But, and then Jesus said, the flesh counts for nothing then. That's, that's history. That's gone. Everything's new. The spirit brings life. And we can say this is another wonderful truth about this conversation between Christ and Mary. As it was a woman, Eve, who was first in transgression, who first sinned. So it's a woman who first sees the resurrected Lord. Everything is now, everything is now new. It, it replaces uh, everything that went before. Um, we read in Timothy, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So the fall began with unbelief and the rebellion of Eve. Now the resurrection, or restoration if you like, from the fall begins with Mary, a woman of faith. Because Jesus has overcome all the results of the fall. So as in Adam all died, now all in Christ should be made alive. And the, the, the other thing that struck me, the first thing that Eve did when she believed the lies of the devil, what was the first thing she did? She went and told her husband and convinced him as well and he followed his wife in the on the disastrous way to hell. Now as the resurrection of, resur restoration of everything comes as news, it comes to Mary. And what does she do? As we heard when... when uh, uh, Ray spoke earlier on, she went and told the men. So now everything is being reversed. Everything is, is, uh, everything is new. And she was told that she'd seen the Lord and he had told her these things. And there's a sense in which I'm jumping on because I want to talk about the conversation in the time we've got. Um, um, I won't read all the verses again, it'll take too long. But what I want to concentrate on is, is this. Jesus said to her, Mary, one word, just, just one word, that's all he said to her, one word. But it was a word of life. When God, when God speaks to you a word of life, it's not like anything else you've ever heard before. If you're a believer, you'll know what I'm talking about. This, this is the one word you need to hear. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Do you hear Christ's voice? Are you a familiar like Mary, uh, with the voice of the Lord Jesus. Because this is, what, this is the voice that we need to hear. This is the voice that we long to hear. This is what we need to hear is our own name on Christ's lips. There's no substitute for this at all. The psalmist said in, in Psalm 35, Say to my soul, I am your salvation. That's a prayer we can all pray. But it's, it's my soul. It's so personal. There's no substitute for a personal encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. He is alive. He is here in our midst. There's no substitute for knowing him here present with us. You can come to worship. You can sing the songs that we sing. Maybe you like singing. I like to sing at the top of my voice if I can, if I know him. I've had to learn new ones here, I admit. But I love to sing uh, the praises of our God. You can sing, 
Uh, you can hear God's word proclaimed. You can gather around the Lord's table. You can be religious. But that's not the issue. Do you have life? Do you, do you, have you had an encounter with our Lord Jesus Christ himself? Do you know his voice? Jesus is alive. Have you heard his voice speak to your heart? There's a hymn in the book, in, 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 in our book. Uh, I, I looked it up. 275, I want to look it up. You might all know it, I don't know. But each verse in the hymn starts with, I heard the voice of Jesus say. Then it goes on, and then I heard the voice. Have you heard the voice of Jesus in your own heart? As he spoke to you personally? And then have you responded like Mary did? with Martha. That's, what she, that's the first... The first word was Mary from the Lord Jesus. The first word from Mary was Master. Have you bowed the knee to our Lord Jesus Christ? And then uh, finally, we, finally we need to note how, how the Saviour speaks about his own disciples. They'd all forsaken him. They'd all fled when he was arrested. And the amazing thing is that bombastic Peter uh, he, he's actually denied that he even knew him it's a tremendous fall but Jesus is really what, concerned about this so his first words when Mary recognises him is for his disciples his concern is to bring the wanderers back his concern is to get the backsliders Back, back on track, as it were, back the right way. Again, you have to go to the Psalms, don't you, for some of the words of the Lord, how to learn how the Father thinks. As a father shows his compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For, this, for he knows our frame, and he remembers that we're dust. He knows what you've done. He remembers what you are. He knows how frail you are. He knows how faint your faith can be. But he brings them. He will, he will bring you back. So not only is Mary privileged to speak with angels, and then have her, the Lord call her by name, now she becomes the Lord's first messenger. The Lord's first messenger with the news of His resurrection. That's Mary's reward for waiting. So wait on the Lord, and who knows what He will have for you to do in your time of restoration. Of course, this is one of the... We can be so perverse, can't we? She goes to tell the disciples what Jesus said, and they don't believe her. They don't believe her at all. Silly woman. What's she, what's she talking about? When I, when I read this, I thought, how perverse we can be. When Eve told Adam the lies of the devil, he believed her, and he ate the, of the tree. Mary comes with the good news that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. They don't believe her. They don't believe her. This is how perverse we can be. Um, but Jesus, so Jesus then has to take things, to control himself on the evening of that day, on the first day of the week. The doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Um, he comes and says, peace be with you. Jesus is alive. And he had uh, now spoken uh, uh, to, to the 
to the um, to the disciples. The writer to the Hebrews says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and his love and concern for the disciples is the same. Uh, he so he is concerned for each each one of us. Centuries haven't altered the, the attitude of our Saviour to his people. So whoever comes to him, he will never cast out. So however you sit here this morning, if you're one of Christ's and you've wandered out of the way, if you've become sceptical, Jesus calls you back. The risen Lord Jesus stands in our midst because he said, whenever we're gathered together, I'm in the midst. So you know that he's here. And if you're one of his, you know that he will hear you if you now, if you now call to him. And it's my privilege, like it was Mary's privilege. I can tell you these things. This, this, is, this is my privilege. He has paid the penalty of your disobedience, whatever you, however and whyever you went away from him. And he calls you back. He calls you back. He was able to say on the cross, it's finished, I've dealt with all that. That's all water under the bridge. And he calls you back. He calls you back. Uh, the work of your salvation has been done. So maybe you sit here and you don't know anything of what I'm talking about. You've never met the risen Christ. Uh, sadly, you are what the scripture would say, dead in your trespasses and sins. An awful situation to be in. Hell to look forward to. So if you sit here like this, I have to, I have to plead with you. This is the day of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he invites you to come to him. Whatever your position, however sceptical you've been, however steeped in your logic of what you might think, your logic of your unbelief, Jesus Christ is God and he is alive now and he calls you. Peter says this, God is patient with you. Maybe you've been an unbeliever for decades and you have, and you have refused, refused to accept these, these wonderful truths, but... Peter says, God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So he calls you to repentance. There's a, this just came into my mind. There's, a, there's a, a verse in the Old Testament, and I don't know where it is, but God says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a wicked and a gainsaying people, people who don't want to know me. But God says, I hold out my hands every day to such and he calls you to come to his son. And Jesus says, come to me, all, all who labor and are heavy laden. The sins that have kept, that keep you down, he will deal with, he will lift them off you, he will kill them himself. <clears throat> and he calls you to take, to, to take his yoke and to learn from him what he is like. He will turn your tears to joy, as he did with Mary at the tomb that first resurrection morning. He is risen, and if you will leave your sins and come to him now, he will, he will um, receive you with open arms. That's, that's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I wanted to sing a hymn, but it wasn't in our book. Um, so um, hopefully it will be on the screen.